your host, Lynette Louise. Welcome to my first podcast. This is a new spin on autism, Answers. This is a place where we take autism awareness one step further and end up with conclusions that lead to answers. My intention is to give you something that you can actually use. Today, we're actually going to highlight Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, dads. It's a Father's Day program. I'm so excited about that. And even more exciting is my guest of the day, Dr. Harold Burke. Dr. Burke is a licensed psychologist in California, and his specialties are neuropsychology and medical psychology. He lectures in the Doctor of Behavioral Health program at Arizona State University, and he's the author of a monthly series, a wonderful monthly series, called Burke's Brain. Dr. Burke's also my friend and colleague, and I know he didn't list it in his credentials, but he is brilliant in the field of neuroanatomy. He has taught me so much. I am so indebted to him. Um, He's going to talk to us today about some very interesting subjects. For example, what do men have that is sort of predisposes them to be great dads with autistic children? And what do men and autistic children have in common? That'll be interesting. And also, you know, what's the difference between men and women? And how does that affect their parenting role when uh, raising children that are autistic? Just before I start talking with Dr. Burke, I want to remind you that at the end of the program, uh, that uh, at the end of every program, I'm going to tell you stories from the road. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear I travel internationally working with autism, and so there's always a fun story. That'll be how we end every program. And we'll also give away a copy of my book, Miracles Are Made, Real Life Guide to Autism, to dads. And I'll tell you how you get that at the end of the program. So without further ado, I'd like to say hello to my wonderful guest, Dr. Harold Burke. Welcome to the program. And right off the bat, I want you to tell me, what is it that makes men great at raising kids with autism? Well, before I answer that rather challenging question, <laughs> I want to thank you for having me on, on your broadcast. You're welcome. This is the maiden voyage of a new series that I think is going to be really exciting and add a lot to uh, people's ability to work with their challenged children with autism. And I want to congratulate you on your new book. Uh, well, thank Mar- you. Autism, Working with Miracles Are Made. It's a wonderful book and a great asset to helping people with this challenged population. Uh, I'm, I don't know about the, the description of being uh, brilliant, but I do know that I've been fascinated ever since my graduate school days with uh, how the brain uh, affects our emotions and our, uh, the way we think approach the world and our behaviors. Okay, so in that fascination and all the things you've discovered as you trained and became this person who has like every single letter after their name that I can't even put on the air because it's too long, um, tell me, what is it about men that you think would predispose them to being good parents, uh, you know, not better than the mom, but what makes them special in raising autistic kids? Well, the fascinating thing is that the male brain based on genetics and on the way it develops, including hormonal influence in the womb, actually has some very distinct characteristics, which make the male, the father, somewhat more similar to an autistic child. Wow. Yes. In fact, it's no coincidence that there are four times more uh, male autistic children than females. It's a ratio of four to one. So that 
already. Wait, 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 wait. I got to tell you, there are so many people that say, why would there be more male autistic children than female autistic children? I know you're not an autism expert. That's my job. And I have a theory here. So I want to know, do you, what's your theory on that? Well, what's your theory first? And I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> okay, you tell me it. if I, th- this is it. this is our relationship anyway. I pitch ideas to Dr. Burke and then he tells me if I'm off the wall. So hopefully I'm not. But what I was thinking is, okay, the corpus callosum, which is the highway between the, well, it's not a highway, obviously, you would call it a fiber bundle or something like that. But it's the communication pathway between the two hemispheres. Now, it's bigger in the female and it's smaller in the male. I like to say super highway in the female, you know, little gravel road, two-lane highway in the male. Could it be, this is just a possibility, I know there's hormones, there's millions of things, but could it be that because the female brain has more possibilities for kind of compensating, that, um, you know, finding ways around issues, that it's that corpus callosum that makes one of the, the major contributors to having more boys end up with autism than, than girls, at least the symptoms of autism. Well, you're absolutely on the right track that the, uh, we all, we've known for a number of years now that the right hemisphere in all of us, males or females, tends to be more specialized for visual-spatial functioning and the left hemisphere for more verbal functioning in, in most of us. Well, in the case of the corpus callosum, it is that fiber bundle that connects the hemispheres and allows the left to talk with the right. Well, in the, in the male, it's somewhat smaller, as you correctly pointed out, which means the male is not quite as good at integrating sensory information, that is, hooking visual information oh. with visual-spatial information. The female's very good at that, and she's very good at verbalizing her emotions, and as well as visual, uh, verbalizing the emotions, which are primarily performed in the right hemisphere. So her left hemisphere is able to connect the two. One of the problems with the autistic brain is that the connections, not only between the hemispheres, but even between the front and back part of the brain, are dysfunctional. That is, they're not fully developed, they're not fully normal. So the autistic child has difficulty integrating sensory information. And that includes filtering out noise, what we call the signal-to-noise ratio is not as good, meaning that the autistic child has a lot of cacophony, a lot of kind of noise built in. There's so much sensory stuff coming in that it's hard to separate them out. Okay, so okay, so now let's get on to the thing then. With that information, how is it that men and autistic kids have something in common? Where's the the connection there? Are you saying that they have, men have a lot of noise in their brain, like crowds cheering at a football game? No, or? actually, it's, that's, that's a good point. It's the fact that males are able to, since they have a more specialized brain, since they have areas that are somewhat more specialized for one uh, function rather than another, they're a little bit more devoted or able to devote to a single task. They're more single-minded. The female, and they perhaps aren't as, quite as good at verbally expressing emotions, the female... Oh, the better. male isn't as good the at male verbally not expressing. The female. Okay. But that's similar to an autistic brain, where one of the classic uh, uh, core symptoms of an autistic child is difficulty in expressing emotions. 
as you've so correctly pointed out in our consultations together and in your book, it is not that autistic children do not have emotions and cannot connect with people. It's that they can't verbalize their feelings. And so can't, they can't verbalize to other people how they feel about them. Or and even so, show. I mean, even they, show. they don't even show it in a normal way, like what you were just saying about the sensory integration issues. So you have a child that's autistic, and he's just thinking, oh, I want to hug my mommy so bad, but when I hug her, it feels prickly. You know, because maybe his skin is having a, a sensory problem. So he may move away from his mom, even though in his heart, his heart is going, oh, <laughs> that's my mommy. So, or that's my daddy. This is a Father's Day show. Oops, <laughs> I'm supposed to be talking about dads, but same thing. Um, okay, so they may not be able to show it. We're in agreement on this. And so the single-mindedness of the male, how would that help? Well, it's the male is not only somewhat more single-minded and specialized, but he's more prone to want to play, to want to do things, to engage in a task, to want to teach the child something. The mother may be more prone to want to hold the child, to meet the child's needs, to respond to subtle nuances, and if the child is sleepy or needs to be held or needs to be cuddled, the mother's particularly good at that. There's a, a, a large literature to support the biology and, and genetics and hormones that affect the cause of female to be better able. The male's not able to do that as well, but that can come in handy because the male says, okay, I need to show the child how to throw a football. Well, males are generally better at that because throwing a ball and catching it especially require visual-spatial skills. So the male can go, the father can go and play that throw the ball with the autistic child and do it, you know, hour after hour and even eventually say, now throw, telling the child you, you want to say throw before you throw the ball. The father likes to engage in games. The father Okay, I love this. I love this. I have to, emotions. Dr. Burke, I have to tell you this story. Okay, so when I first started, first of all, Vigia, you were just saying the spatial skills. Mm -hmm. You also said, see, I've, I've listened to your lectures. You uh, said the spatial skills. You also said the back of the brain is somewhat dysfunctional in autism and spatial skills live back there. So a father, I'm correct, correct? Mm -hmm. All right. A father who would play this sort of a game, um, engaging his child over and over again, would essentially, since the brain is plastic, be working that area and helping to repair and make new uh, neuronal pathways and basically exercise a, a part of the brain that needs some work. This makes sense, right? Exactly. And not being as concerned at that moment of playing that game and teaching the child to throw a ball and to say the word throw while throwing it, but not being as concerned about the emotions. At that point, not being as concerned about, well, is the child relating to me? Is the child giving me a much eye contact? Is this child going right. to be able to be of able course. to be good at school of in course. relationships? The female is in a sense, you know, she's doing the big package, right? She's doing yes. that great, big, huge and, and, package. And she's always concerned about that. Mother is always thinking about relationships and emotions and how good the child's going to be at school and right. how awful it will right. be if the child's rejected. The father certainly can learn to care about such things. But in a very basic biological sense, the father isn't as concerned about that. He just wants to teach the child to throw the football and maybe be able to be a football player. In okay, Eureka. So this is actually what's really cool about this, Dr. Burke, is that I actually teach this. When I go internationally into homes, I teach how to take advantage of this very thing. And guess how I learned it? I learned it from living it. I didn't know anything about the neuroanatomy of it. I was way back when, <laughs> way, I'm pretty old, way back when, I was first starting on the journey of raising an autistic child. He was mute, had no language. And my husband at the time, 
We'll get into that on other shows. Uh, <laughs> my husband would play with him in this sound effects kind of way. He would go see see uh, Dar running around the couch, and he'd growl at him, you know, and chase him. Or he had this game he liked to do where he would hold his hand up over the belly, and he'd make like a sort of a chomping motion with his hand, and he'd go. And I was like, I was watching this and watching this game and I was constantly as a mom worried about his future, worried about will he gain language, worried about is he going to fit in. And I was going, why are you playing like that? At least give him a word. At least instead of going, say tickle, tickle, tickle. So I was on to something. I was correct. And I teach this everywhere I go. But back then I had missed a very important point. I missed the fact that this was the place where my son lit up. This was the place where he was most likely to actually grab that language. And in fact, he did end up growling. Interesting. And his favorite sound was caw, caw, or ka-ka-ka-ka. So if I'd have really put together that instead of complaining at my husband that, you know, you should do it this way, if I would have embraced it and gone, oh, wow, this is the point of the show. We look for... We try to make conclusions out of our evidence and get some answers. If I'd have looked at that and said, oh, wow, they're so connected. He's so excited. He's so spontaneous when he plays. Let's make that a word. I wouldn't have been lecturing at my husband. I would have been saying, you've got something special. Let's take your special something and let's turn it into language. And I think then we'd have been working as a team. I have to admit, we weren't. We were kind of um, at odds. And, and that's kind of what I want to do in this show is say embrace, embrace each other and dads know that you have this fantastic role to play. And I love that, Dr. Brick, that you're sharing this stuff with me and helping me to kind of underline how important uh, dad is. For those of you who hit pause and can't remember what we were talking about or who's here with me, um, I am talking to Dr. Harold Burke, and we are discussing the samenesses between autistic children and men. It's a very interesting discussion. This is a new spin on autism answers. So, Dr. Burke, you're on. The dad has a natural link, a natural connection with the child. And while people often think that fathers can't develop rapports well because they don't have as much emotions, they do have that biological connection, that ability to just want to play and do certain things. Males are more geared towards inanimate objects. A little baby infant will get just as excited by a balloon or, a, or a, some sort of a toy as they will looking at a human face. Little baby girls, infant girls get much more excited looking at human faces. Oh not, my. Just, not just their mother's face, but at human, at human faces than boys. Boys will get just as excited by looking at a ball. I never That's knew that. That's one of the things that autistic children, that people get so upset about. They say, oh, my autistic child gets fascinated with this ball or this object and doesn't care about human faces. And psychologists will call, and psychiatrists will call that a deficit. It's a major impairment. They like objects better than they like humans. Ultimately, of course, they need to learn to relate to humans. But at a certain period in their uh, learning to, to engage in the world and learning skills, they need to relate to that ball. Males, fathers are very good at that. This is and great. A, so the, the key with the idea of the team approach is that it depends on the stage of development. There are times and tasks when the male 
who's more connected in a very real sense to the autistic child is best at teaching certain things, but along with the mother... Who, who is also, going to think of the big picture and, and bring all well, that stuff together and the, and to the pick, nuances. And be able to pick up subtle cues. The mother may, for example, be more sensitive to the fact that, okay, you've been playing football for the last half hour, but the child's getting tired. I can tell by the way he's <laughs> right. looking and, and acting. <laughs> and whining and crying like and hiding from the ball. <laughs> yeah, the father just keeps wanting to play and he gets bored. Come on, buck up. <laughs> so that's where the team approach is is so critical on a day-to-day basis, not just, you know, for one year, one parent takes over for the next year. We're not talking about that at all. We're talking about even on a day-to-day basis, the father has a very real place, and it may not be verbalizing emotions. It may not be teaching that same kind of rapport as the theme, as the mother. It may not even be teaching the entire sentence. But exactly. if he can teach that, that one, one important word, word exactly. at a time in each game, then we have something to build on. Dr. Burke, this has been really exciting. I love that you came. We hit on all of your talking points, well, yes. men and women, men and autism, men's special skills. And I would like to give you an opportunity now to just share, you know, kind of in a quick way, whatever you think is most important to share on the subject of Happy Father's Day with autistic kids. Well, Maybe I'm biased because I'm a father. But <laughs> one of my fascinating fascinations uh, with this whole idea of individual differences and differences between males and females' brains, dating to my own uh, doctoral research that's been published, is the fact that there's not a war between males and females, or there shouldn't be. There's simply major differences. And these differences, or important differences, I should say, and these differences allow females to bring their skills to bear and males to bring their skills to bear. And males, fathers of autistic children, uh, may, in fact, have to learn some skills themselves that females are better at, but they have some innate abilities, some innate abilities to focus on games. They have some innate abilities to teach. They have some innate emotional and uh, approaches to the world. And that is critical to Thank bear. You. you work as a team. Thank and that's you. what's so important. That's awesome. So, Dr. Burke, thank you so much for being on the program. Uh, Before I say goodbye, um, is there anything that you would like to say to really kind of hammer home uh, the points you were making today? Well, certainly I'd like to say that my segment perhaps could be called Viva la Difference. You know, Viva la, let's celebrate the differences. And the fact that the male brain is predisposed to... uh, interact in a certain way, and that way is, very, is somewhat similar to an autistic brain. And that allows the father to have a natural rapport, a natural connection, albeit a nonverbal one, and yes, even an emotional connection with an autistic child. So even though we think of this as always a, a, you know, a, a pathological symptom, the fact that the child has these autistic problems, it allows the father to have a natural link with the child, frankly, somewhat better or more or more intimate than the mother's link. And what I would say to the father is take that as a an as an advantage. A way yes. for you to have a natural link with your child and use that for helping teach that child certain tasks. Help you use that to play with the child and help develop the child. And your wife will help do all that she does as a female, but you 
will be able to take advantage of that natural link. I love that because that's exactly what I teach everywhere. Viva la difference. Embrace what is different and build it bigger and bigger and put all of the other things in until it just looks like a very cool personality. Because what I got from your book also was viva la difference of the autistic child. Yes. Not thinking of the autistic child as autism, but rather as each single individual child with autism has a distinct personality yes. and you you celebrate that and you teach and I've seen you at work. I've seen you at work with patients and you really get that across to parents. Celebrate the uniqueness of your child who happens to have the label of autism and I think that's a beautiful point from your book and the way you work with Well, thank with parents. you so much. Is there a website you want to direct people to? Anything like that you want to share just before you go? Well, my own, 20 seconds. My own clinic website is being uh, revamped as we speak, so I'll maybe give that on a later show. But for those uh, individuals out there who might be interested in earning a doctor of behavioral health, you might go to the website at, at Arizona State University, the dbh.asu.edu. I think that's the website. It's basically going to Arizona State looking for the Doctor of Behavioral Health Program. It's a fascinating new doctorate in working with behavioral health programs. It's revolutionary of its t kind, and uh, we're very excited about it. Well, and I thank think, you. Yes, people might find that fascinating to go to. Well, I'm excited that I had you on, and I love that you are so confident um, that our show is going to be so amazing that you actually said, on a later show and so I'm going to hold everybody I have witnesses he said he'd come back so if I want you back <laughs> I expect a yes I really really appreciate your being here thank you Dr. Burke alright well that was awesome and what I want to do now is what I promised is bring that together and create answers alright so Dr. Burke was mentioning that, um, you know, he was giving the example of, you know, throwing a ball and the child perhaps hearing the dad say, throw. And then every time you throw the, the ball, you say, throw. So let's turn this into a technique, dads. Come on, you can get out there with that ball. And if your child doesn't like ball, don't be sitting there at home going, well, my son doesn't like to play with balls. If he likes to spin plates or if he likes to run in circles, it still applies. Okay. So actually I'm going to change the analogy into chase so that it's not all throwing. So you have a chase game. You have a son who likes to run around the couch while you chase him. And you've got this in your relationship. You're always chasing him and, and he likes it and he laughs and he tries to get you to do it. And you know that he wants to play the game because maybe he stands in the spot. That's a common autistic nonverbal communication. I'll stand in the spot and he'll know from that that I want to play the game. So you're thinking for the child. You're going, oh, he wants to play the game, and you start chasing. I'm going to ask you not to think for him. I'm going to ask you to go, wow, there's the clue. He's standing in the spot that often means chase. I'm going to ask you to take an extra beat. Look at the child and say, hey, that's the spot that you stand in when you want me to chase. Do you want me to chase? Say chase. Now that's probably not going to work until about the millionth time. So be willing to wait a few seconds and grow that length of time. Say chase, say chase. Um, and then chase and play and laugh and stop. Don't chase until you're worn out. Chase maybe three times around the couch. Stop again and go, hey, you never said chase. I'm not sure you really like it. 
The neurons are all firing. The focus is there because the game is on. The child's not stopping and going, what is it? What is it? What is it? He's too busy being excited. And spontaneously, trust me on this one, at some point, when you freeze into position and say, say, Chase, you're going to get J or S or Chase. And you just became the most important player of the game. So dads, that's your take home. That's your conclusion, and that's how we call, why we call this a new spin on autism, answers. All right, I promised you um, that I was going to do a giveaway, and uh, I also promised you that I would tell a story from the road. So this is, again, a Father's Day story. So I, I work internationally. I go into homes, and I teach the type of thing I just shared with you now. And uh, I was working in this one home, and the child had, he's eight years old, he had a fair amount of language as in so far as he could label things. Uh, stringing words together, two words at a time was pretty much tops. And I was hearing about how whenever this child played we, he was very verbal. And I'm like, well, so play we. And they're like, well, he won't play with anyone but dad. And I'm like, okay. Let me observe that. Unfortunately, though, if I positioned to observe it, it all fell apart. So what I had to do was act like I didn't care about that. And after a while, um, I was finished my work day. And I said, why don't you guys just go? We're done. And I'm packing up. And I open and I close the doors if I've left. And dad's been instructed to go play Wii. And sure enough, I'm very quietly in the background. And here's this little boy saying four and five word sentences like he's a talking pro as long as he's looking at the TV screen and playing Wii. This, for a lot of people, is a huge problem. But if you're looking to take awareness and create conclusions and find answers, you have a different mindset. So that dad had created a relationship around the we with language that didn't exist anywhere else, and the challenge was generalizing. Um, I'm not going to go in. We don't have time for me to go into every little step of the way, but I will tell you that how we ended up was there's this little thing. I think it's called a chunka or a chukka that the uh, kids use when they're playing the Wii game. And so we got him, you know, three or four of those. And as long as he was holding it, and this, there's a process here. Maybe we'll keep going back to this story over time. Um, but as long, in the end, as long as he was holding this, he could talk. It was miraculous. It was like a little sensory touchstone. And it all began because dad was willing to play a wee video game that used to drive mom crazy. <laughs> so congratulations, dad. You've got a built-in neuroanatomical neuro reason for your connection with your child. Stay connected, be connected, do wonderful things. And if you find yourself confused at playing as a team with your wife, do... Um, Go ahead and come to my website. It's brainbody.net. And the first five people to say we game and give me their address will get a free book. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Lynette Louise, and this is a new spin on autism. Answers, where we take autism awareness one step further into conclusions and create answers, something you can take home. Thank you for joining me, Lynette Louise. Next podcast is about how stand-up comedy helps social skills. <laughs>